Yes! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new Robbie Muscle Podcast. I'm your host and your boy, TJ. And in today's episode, we are answering, or I am answering, the royal we. Answer some of your questions from Instagram that I got asked um, the other day when I, I threw up the questions for the podcast, little thing in my story. I'll also be going through a quick review of the World Cup final because, you know, I did you know, review and preview most of the rounds and the games during the World Cup and then England lost. <laughs> I went disappearing. Um, that wasn't just because England lost. That was mainly due to the fact I was switching, like, is it servers or feeds? Or I was switching something across with the podcast and I had to get this two-factor authentication authentication thing across I don't know. Like, you can tell by the, f- the way I'm sort of describing this whole thing. I don't really know. What, you know I'm, I've been struggling with this whole thing. I struggle with this technology thing. And so owning an online business is a strange pursuit that I do. But I do love it. And uh, even though I, I come across errors and confusions and stuff like, such as this. But, yeah, I was switching it across. And I don't know. It took me a while to wrap my head around. Um, but I think we're there. I mean, we must be there because you'll listen to this podcast. Um, I'll also give a quick review, I guess, of the last week's European Champions Cup because I I do enjoy it. Like I I like I like my fair, fair share of ruggers. So I think if I'm watching it, I might as well give you guys my thoughts on uh, what happened and um, obviously that Saracens thing is is one of the most. It's probably the biggest news story coming out of rugby outside that World Cup. And so as someone that knows that organization relatively well. Um, I don't have any insight, but it's something I should, I've been asked a few times to uh, comment on. So I will do such a thing. Um, so I guess first we will go into uh, the World Cup review. Damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Um, if I recall correctly, I predicted England to win by quite a lot uh, in my preview. And I was, I was worried. If I was worried that I was so confident because... I'm I'm usually pretty confident with England. I think like they they had that potential to do what they did with that New Zealand game. Like they've always had a potential like that. I, I, and I I've seen that since uh since England toured New Zealand back in it must have been what 2013 or 2014 with Stuart Lancaster in charge and I was like, "Oh my god, these boys can play some serious serious ruggers." And um Ever since, just every now and again, they, they'll play phenomenally. And then every now and again, they'll just not be able to catch a break. They'll, the momentum goes away from them and they can't play. And that's essentially what happened with this final. Um, <clears throat> like every game, there's a reason we don't, we, there's a reason we play sports, right? There's a reason that we do this. It's because you can play one game brilliantly and you can play one game poorly. And you can, like, that's why we have a league structure. That's why, you know, sports is a thing. It's not just, oh, this guy's better than this guy, therefore this guy will win. Like, you have to, you have to go and perform on the day. And South Africa, on the day of that final, performed significantly better than England. And they became the first team to ever win a World Cup after losing a game. So credit to them. Um, there's a lot of this stuff about it being really important for their nation. So, you know, good on South Africa. I, I actually... Like 60 to 70 minutes into the... No, about 60-odd minutes into the game, I just knew 
it was lost pretty much. I was like, this is this is not what I'd hoped at all. And you know what? I didn't. I wasn't really annoyed. I wasn't really angry. <laughs> if anything, I was tired because I woke up at three a.m. to watch the game. I woke up and I was tired, and yeah, I was just like, eh, you know what? Good on South Africa. They want to. They they want a really. Um, I don't want to say they want a really good game, but they, you know, if anything, if you look at South Africa's history of the uh, World Cups that they've won, uh, you know, I was what six when they played the World Cup final in '95, uh, but you know, I saw. Uh, <laughs> I've seen Invictus, so I, I feel like I was there, and. All of those World Cup finals, so 95, 2007, and 2019, all these World Cups, they've won all, all three of them in somewhat of an unconvincing manner. Now, it's not to take away from the fact that they won it, like the idea of sport is to win. But in 07, you know, they didn't do anything phenomenally. They nearly lost to Fiji at one point. Um, they nearly lost to England in the final after dicking on them in the group stage. Somehow England got to the final, which was ridiculous in the first place. Um, and, you know, they, they won the final. I think England... Uh, I'm not gonna, yeah, I don't think there were any tries scored in that final. Um, and they didn't score any tries in the World Cup final. Like, uh, Jonah Lomu was the high, more of the highlight of that 95 World Cup. And then in this World Cup, you know, they, they scrapped through against Japan. They scrapped through in, a, like, one of the worst games against Wales. And then they beat England and... You know, they played well, but we're not going to go out and say that they played this phenomenal brand of rugby. They just were big blokes and they just sort of, they sort of took all of the, the air out of England's uh, balloon. Is that, no, it's air out of the sails, but whatever. They took air out of England's balloon. I'm just going to, I'm going to go with that one. And they um, stopped England from having any sort of momentum. England also stopped themselves from having any momentum because uh, this whole World Cup, until that point, they... You know, they had some mistakes and they'd made a, a few mistakes even against New Zealand where they could have done it even better. But overall, they were they were hitting their markers so frequently and so, like, emphatically that they just kept taking the games, like, by the scruff of the neck and just bossing every single game. Um, they didn't manage to do that against South Africa. And every time, there were a few occasions, there was, like, two or three occasions where... You know, they were only a score or two behind and they had a good attack or they had a good attack in position. They had something to go right. And I was like, this is this is where they're going to get this momentum back. They're going to you know, grab the game by the scruff of the neck again and take charge. But then it was just a slight bit of inaccuracy, like one drop ball or one pass that didn't go to where it needed to be or one uh, poor ruck that led to a penalty or something like that. And Every time that little tiny thing happened, that took all the wind out of England's balloon. <laughs> Gonna keep going with that saying. Um, they took all, it took all of the momentum out of a possible England comeback, and from there, they strangled the whole game. Then they scored that try, and I was like, you know what? Good on the Saffers. They've won this game, and they've they've done what they had to do. And it was very flat. It was very flat from an England perspective. And a, if anything, I was always saying this whole time that. This came four years too late for England anyway, because you met, this was the most watched thing in England, I believe. Uh, I'm not going to go around and give a stat that I don't know, but it was something It was something like the most watched thing that week or it, maybe even the year. Most watched television was the World Cup final. 
imagine if that was in the UK. Imagine if that was the England one that they hosted in 2015 and they they did that. But alas, the sport will still be, um, you know, secondary by quite a long way to football. And that's just the way it is. And that's the way we like it. We like we we like being a little bit niche here in, in rugby. And so, yeah, congratulations to South Africa. Um, <clears throat> you know, I... I see all the time, and this is a, this is cynical Teach coming out. I see all the time about how uh, sport changes everything, but I'm not a big believer in that. I think sport is literally about winning and losing. Like the what the Olympics, we uh, when I was in uh, university, we did a lot of uh, sports sociology studies on the impact of the Olympics and stuff, and all these proposed impacts. And at the end of the day, it was just a big loss of money, and <clears throat> like everything that was funded is losing its funding. All that funding's becoming privatized for because of the internet and because of social media and stuff. So, you know, I don't think really sp- sport is as great a thing for uniting the like. wasn't Wasn't it supposed to unite South Africa in '95 and now they're having even bigger problems? So, you know, if anything, it's just a welcome, a really fucking welcome distraction. That's what sport is. So, good on South Africans for having that distraction, and shout out to all you Safas that are listening. Hope uh, the country, you know gets a little bit better but that's the same could be said for a bunch of other countries as well so you know you leave that all in its own uh, area and leave sport to be sport and congratulations to the Springboks for winning the 2019 Rugby World Cup and now we've had a bit of a lull since the World Cup has finished but we are already back with the European Champions Cup and we are also back with the Premiership um, which you know it's not as high scoring and it's not as a it's not as cool to like the premiership as it is to like uh, Super 15 or whatever it's going to be, Super Rugby in a new year. But at the end of the day, it's I believe it's the most contested rugby in the world. It's like good structured rugby. It's fast paced a lot of the time. Yeah, you get some games where there's like barely any tries scored. <clears throat> but that's more because of a physicality of defense. Whereas I watch a lot of Super Rugby games and I'm like, oh, these guys aren't even like bothering defending. Yes, they attack a lot better. I'll give you some of that. They have a lot better runners, but the Premiership is catching up, and as is the champion, as is the European Champions Cup or the Heineken Cup, which I'll talk about in a bit. But for now, let's move on from this World Cup and let's appreciate, you know, the fact that it's it's um, it comes about every four years and it's awesome. But let's not be too sad that it's finished. Let's sort of move on with rugby as you know as club rugby and as us boys as players and see if we can be our own superheroes rather than just watching the World Cup fight watching the World Cup and having those guys be our heroes hashtag inspiration alright anyway so after that random fucking hashtag fitspo chat let's talk about uh, or let's answer sorry the questions from you guys from Instagram so firstly we have Shawnee here who asks massage guns as a recovery tool I mean he hasn't phrased that as a question, but you can. He put a question mark at the end, so that therefore it is a question. Massage guns is a recovery tool. Our survey says <coughs> they suck. Um, they don't suck, okay? But I'm not. I'm. I'm really not a fan of them. Um, I think they feel good, and therefore, if they feel good, like recovery is about feeling good, kinda. But they feel good in the moment, but they don't really do shit to the muscle. Um, like um like the whole point of a massage is that it stretches out the fascia and if you've got a if you've got a gun like the theraguns and what whatnot um they're 
applying pressure to the muscle, then they're alleviating and they're applying it and they're alleviating it. And you, you're not able to stretch out that fascia. You're not able to stretch the fibers and manipulate them the way you want them. You're just, you're hammering home on a, a point. And I just think in general, when you're looking at recovery, okay? So, cause he did say uh, massage, uh, the massage gun is a recovery tool. <clears throat> When you're looking at recovery, 95% of recovery is nailing your diet, nailing your sleep, and actually, let's say that's 75%, then the next 20-ish percent is going to be like living a low-stress lifestyle. So in your day-to-day life, not being stressed about like so much like all the pointless stuff, all the important stuff, whatever it is, not just just not stressing out all the time. Like if you've if you're working on Wall Street and you have a really, really stressful job, chances are you're not gonna be the most jacked guy in the world. In fact I don't know anyone that works on Wall Street that is jacked at all. And I've seen I don't know anyone that does work on Wall Street, but I've seen I've seen these guys in suits and stuff and I don't see any of them that are jacked. So therefore that theory is absolutely true. I'm just playing. But you get my point. You shouldn't. You, you can't have a really high stress life um, and expect to recover and expect to make gains. You can't have a really you could underslept person or someone that doesn't eat as much as they need and again expect them to remotely recover. Those aren't the sexy things, but those are by far the most important things, and they're not the things that make companies money. So companies don't give a shit unless they're selling you some sort of magic sleep thing or they're selling you a meditation app to help you sleep or whatever it is. But those are the things that are the most important. Um, And you'll hear this sort of echoed with Nick Littlehales, who is a sleep, uh, one of the very first elite sleep coaches there ever was. He has... Um, been the sleep coach of Man United, Team GB. This guy has worked with the cream of the crop when it comes to athletes. And he has he says the very much the same thing. It's not about anything, any crazy recovery tools. It's about just trying to nail your sleep and trying to lower your overall stress levels. That's how you're going to perform your best. And so this gun, I mean, it's so overrated. It's like if, if you're spending 200 bucks on a, on a gun to massage yourself, um, like you better have your training nailed, your diet completely nailed, your uh, sleep week to week on point. You better be taking care of all of that stuff. And you're like, right, is there anything I can get that's going to give me a tiny edge? And that's why they market to the CrossFitters because those elite CrossFitters do take care of a lot of those things and they're freak athletes and those are top little things. But for most people, nah. And if anything... The one thing that is going to be better than that is just get yourself a buffer, like an actual buffer. Use that, and that's going to, because it's going to apply a lot more pressure. But like I've just said, it's that's going to that's going to cover about five percent of the shit that really matters. So focus on the other ninety-five percent, and then maybe maybe we can talk about what's useful. For, but I don't think it serves. It doesn't serve my point that I'm trying to make to then say, hey. Here you can focus on this to give you an extra 0.01% when I'm trying to tell you how much how much more important all of the other things are. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. Next question from, is it Scott Atkins, I believe? I don't know who asked this question. I wrote it down and I forgot to write down who asked the question. Um, but he says, top five lower body exercises. Now, I'll go on a rant about why I don't like questions like this. That's such a classic TJ answer. Um, I'm going to answer this question, but fuck 
like I can't do anything normal. Like, hey, so top li- top five lists, go fuck yourself. That's not what we should be asking, but I get it. Like, that's the norm. So I will answer it. Top five lower body quite uh top five lower body exercises. Yeah, what's Scott Atkins? Top five lower body exercises. Number one, let's go for the lunge. Um the lunge is great because it's pretty much uh, hits all of the lower body really well. It doesn't allow you to, it's going to correct a lot of movement as well. At the same time, it's going to work your core. Um, you know, it's it sucks. I'll give you that. I mean, if that's a good thing for a lower body exercise, because, you know, I don't know many lower body exercises that don't suck. Um, therefore, the one that sucks the most must be the most effective, right? Incorrect. But I do think that the lunge is a fantastic exercise it puts your whole body for a nice motion um and you know it's i think it's vastly 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 underutilized um especially in a weight room especially by people that want to make gains number two squat and if i have to like i get that like because i could say top five lower body exercises and i could say squat hinge you know and just name like all the generic i mean yeah all the like overriding movements but that's not that's kind of cheating and so if i was to cheat i would just say squat if i have to pick a specific squat i would say rear foot elevated split squats i think those motherfuckers are great if you're in team rugby muscle or if you're a coaching line you know that i love those guys i think they're i think they're superior to barbell back squats simply because you don't like it it doesn't uh give you a ton of axial loading aka um, weight through the spine so it doesn't because a lot of people have back issues from squatting incorrectly and an easy way to or back squatting incorrectly or front squatting incorrectly an easy way to correct all of that is to not do a bilateral squat and just to do a single leg squat or a split squat which is much better than a single leg squat because you can um, spread the weight between the two legs you get a beautiful stretch through the hip you can target the um, glute by getting that front foot a bit further forward or by having that front foot further back and staying more upright you can target the quad it's just it's so good and you can use it as a power exercise by making it explosive by jumping at the top you can use it as a strength exercise by loading it nice and heavy you can also use it as a pump exercise by just pumping out 15 or 20 reps or something a little bit lighter but it leaves no sort of stone unturned in terms of trying to but my Alexa's distracting me again because she's not she, it is trying to listen to what I'm saying and then it's disappeared. Good. Uh, where was I? Yeah, so when you're doing a split squat, there's no, there's no lower body muscle that can hide really. If you hit it right and if you hit it well, your glutes will be sore as fuck the next day as will your quads and it's just a very good overall mass builder or whatever you want to build. It's, it's really, really good. Um, then number three, we'll go for deadlift again, that's cheating. So I'll go for a Romanian deadlift just because I think again, with the whole putting your pressure through your back thing, I think it, it just causes a lot less fatigue. It's really good at nailing ham. If you can nail an RDL, there's pretty much nothing else that you need to do for your hamstrings. I think, um, potentially you could do, and I haven't put these on my list, but um nordic hamstring curls or um what they call glute ham raises are good but if we're talking about trying to just build as much um flexibility mobility and strength through the through the hamstrings rdls are money they also are really good at teaching you how to actually properly hip hinge 
because most most people when they deadlift for the first time or end up squatting with the bar and then they use a lot of back and stuff whereas if you nail an rdl you are driving with your hamstrings and you're driving with your glutes and there's not too much that is better than that number four i'll go for a jump <laughs> jumping that's the answer no um i guess i would go for if i had to pick what sort of jump i would do it would be would it be a box jump or would it be a broad jump um i don't know see again this is why i don't like these lists because I, I, i'll go into it afterwards but yeah let's go for a box board i'll go for a box jump fuck it because you can jump to a low box and jump some distance and then hey it's a broad jump kind of um obviously there's there's nothing that you can do that's more explosive for the lower body than a jump except for number five which is sprinting um that's going to be in my fifth lower body exercise and again like sprint isn't going to be very good if you're trying to build a ton of mass and trying to build big tree trunk legs and whatnot but um, I didn't know what the context was for this. So I fucking went for sprints because they are, you know, if you're a rugby player, you need to be sprinting. I guess that counts as a lower body movement. Um, the amount of people I, I see that don't do any jumping and then even if they're just trying to gain some muscle, like jumping is really important. The sprint is really important because you just need to maintain your athleticism. If you can move better, that's going to stop you from getting, it's going to give you a really good chance of not getting injured it's also going to allow you to stay athletic and allow you to execute your lifts and not become like it's just a stiff big tight motherfucker it's going to allow you to you know make some really good progress with your muscle gains but also still be an athlete and at the end of the day if you're listening to this podcast you still want to be an athlete you don't want to just be a big juiced up uh roidy boydy bodybuilder because um like that's not the purpose like and if you're doing it naturally you're never going to look like that anyway um so you might as well have a body that not is that is just not all show you might as well build a bit of go in that and do some jumps do some sprints and all that good stuff but again like that's why i don't like lists like this because everything is about like context and so like yeah, I'd say a lunge is the number one lower body exercise. But if you're a powerlifter who is concerned with, or maybe you're not even a powerlifter, maybe you just really enjoy back squatting, and you and part of your goals are to build the strongest back squat, and that 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 like means something to you. That's going to allow you to go to the gym every week because week on week seeing the weight go up on the bar makes you feel better. Then who am I to then say, uh, no, we're not going to axial load. We're going to do lunges and split squats. Like you say, no, fuck off, mate. I want to be able to do my barbell back squats. So. Um, you know, lists like this, like it's, it's fun to do, I guess, but what you got to realize is exercises aren't like, this is superior to this. This is superior to this. They are, what are the circumstances? What do we need? And here, here are the tools that we can use. And so, um, yeah, you know, that's a classic TJ statement though, to say that like, Oh, I don't like listening to top five lower body. Like we're just having a little bit of fun, I guess. So, you know what? I'm an idiot. We can have a little bit of fun. And those are my top five uh, lower body exercises. Next question. Why don't you have programs outside of coaching and team rugby muscle? I guess this sort of piggybacks off the last question. It's almost as if I rearrange these questions to answer so that they, each one led to the next. Uh, so um, I actually 
funny enough, I'm reading a book by Greg McCown called Essentialism, and this is basically uh, a really good life philosophy that I've sort of been taking uh, recently, where it's like discard all of the trivial shit and just focus on the very few things. And uh, there's other books like called The One Thing, I believe, but there are so many books at the minute that are trying to teach the way of just paying attention to what matters. And like we live right now in a world that is just screaming at us from every fucking angle. We are always connected. We're always told to do everything. We're always told what's bad and we're do everything that we're doing is bad and everything's going to kill us. And we're always and we're told that we need to do all these millions of things. And so it becomes really hard to focus on the few things that are important. And you can apply that to everything. And I've applied that to rubby muscle because the way I've thought about it is um, like... I would be a fraud if I was to sell or sell a backs program or a uh, prop program because there is no more um, there's no more sort of individualization that it comes to programming a prop versus a back row versus a center or a winger than there is programming five guys that all have the same position but one of them's thirty one of them's eighteen. One of them works. One of them works on Wall Street. Another one is a personal trainer. Another one is a student. Another one has never been to the gym before, and another one has been to the gym for ten years, and you know, uh, has the perfect diet and is a professional player. Like these things matter just as much as the position. And so, because there are so many things that sort of um, impact what you should be doing as a person, not just as a player. I I don't like the notion of giving of of trying to write out programs and do one-off programs, and so we do offer like consults, but that just ends up being one month of coaching because the like I did it. What did we sell just over a year ago? We sold the uh, rugby muscle protocol through um, rugby dump. And that was a program about mass gaining. And again, you know, I was quite happy with that program, but this is another reason as to why I don't sell programs again, because of the, all the people that bought them, I, I only know a handful of people that actually finished the program. And obviously they got phenomenal results because they finished it. But I only know a handful of people, if that, that went through it, bought the program and, and, and finished it. Whereas what most people like to do is they'll buy a program because they've got that post Tony Robbins seminar syndrome that I've spoken about on the podcast before. They've got that, like their dopamine spikes up because they're like, yes, I'm going to buy this program. And then Monday, my life is going to change. And then Monday they go to the gym and it's harder than they think, but they still stick with it. And then by the time Thursday rolls around or two weeks rolls around or life hits you in a dick four weeks later, you've stopped doing the program. You have no real context as to why you're doing what you're doing. You make some adjustments. And then next thing you know, it's a month later and you haven't done shit. And so it becomes more and more important that I, that we do it via coaching because coaching is what allows you to fit the gym around your life. Um, training is about like meeting your goals again, and that makes it already ridiculously unique, but it's meeting your goals and working around your schedule preferences and availability, like whatever you have in the gym, all that sort of stuff. You can't just do that with a generic program. And yeah, you could just switch out, um, movements and whatnot. But then if you're switching out movements, then you're already not doing the program. And if you're not doing the program, not only are you less likely to stick to it, 
but you're you're going to compromise the effects that you're going to get. And so, like for example, if we were doing back squats, doing seven sets of back squats is going to be a lot different to doing seven squats, set, seven sets of rear foot elevated split squats. But you know, say you didn't have a barbell available to you, like after, I guess I've got to do split squats. It's not going to be the same. And so the program then changes, and then therefore I, I just don't like the that idea. So. I do love team rugby muscle. I think that's a like it's perfect as a template for guys who can't afford or don't choose to prioritize like paying um for coaching, which I totally understand. But even with this, I try and make it just as much of a, a framework for you to do your own training. You can have the flexibility to individualize it for yourself. I do a fucking ton of explaining within the program. Um, trying to say why everything is done to help you say understand it and, and relate and make sure that you do it properly but even after all of that it doesn't compare to what you get with coaching and you know that's that's why I offer what I offer and I think I the coaching is a fantastic service and I you know this is me even doing a pitch right now I just really believe in the coaching service that uh, Rabbi Muscle offers and that's why we do it. That's why we don't do programs because I don't think they're even like they're even a patch on what you could be doing. But Team Rubbing Muscle is a good framework. Um, if you do want the coaching, however, we are making a push to grow the coaching service uh, for the through the end of 2019. So hit me up because there is an offer that we are running. If you hit, just hit me up TJ at rugby muscle.com or slide into the DMs on Instas TJ underscore rugby. Uh, mention actually yeah mention that you listen to this podcast and I'll help you with the discount but with the discount there is up to $100 of savings that you can get um, because we just want to encourage people to get into the uh, habit of being coached and understanding what real training is about again and like getting these good habits in place before and around the holiday season because then because a lot of time what happens is people delay till January and then they've got a much bigger fucking mountain to climb once they hit January because they've just gone they've just fucking done nothing for these last two winter months because it's easy because these are the two months where people are you know where, where it's darkest and it's easy and the weather's shit it's easy to skip and it's and it's very easy just to put it off until January because there's that notion of the new year and whatnot so it is actually of my experience that people that come in around October, November, December are the people that stay in the most consistent because they're not flaky January people. They set in good habits in place and then they can hit the new year already like with um, a good foot forward and in charge of their own training and whatnot. So yeah, hit me up if you are interested in that. And yeah, I guess that's why I don't offer just generic or just one-off programs. If you do want an individual program, it's just advisable to get a whole month of coaching because you get the month of support with that and then you're able to make sure that that program works perfectly for you and make sure that you stay on track going forward. Like, Because just, just giving you one program might not benefit you perfectly because you might, it might not fit your schedule. It, you know, Some of the things might not work for you. So it's much better if you just do a month of coaching, get the support the whole time and then you're, you're free to go and free to carry on making your own gains. Um, all right, last question. I want to ask you if you can help me on anxiety because I'm having too much anxiety for matches. I don't know how to control it. Um, 
this comes from just generally that we we're getting a new i'm getting um a sports psychologist onto the podcast that we'll talk a lot about this but essentially it comes from a few things number one knowing that no one really gives a fuck okay no one like people have already forgotten about like the world cup semi-final or the world cup quarterfinal people have already forgotten about like top level games and actually people have forgotten about them so many people don't even know about them like the the more you realize that this is important to you but nobody else the less pressure you can have on yourself because you if you if you don't hit the mark you there's always next week um the more confidence you have in your game in general the more you understand that you just enjoy it those sorts of things are gonna sort of uh, get rid of the anxiety you're always going to have nerves because you know this game's important to you and you want to put your best foot forward but at the end of the at the end of the day don't buy into the fact that you have to be really amped up you don't you can be nice and relaxed and you can play the game and enjoy it um with a cool mind because that will allow you to you know stay the most focused on your skills play the best that you can um but yeah i think well, once we get the sports psychologist on, like you'll listen, and that'll be more and more, more of a sort of like here's exactly what processes to do. But for me, it always helped if I just the day of the game and the day before the game took my mind off of it as best I could until like the hour before, and then you know know that you're just going to get into a flow state once you start playing, and you're going to be fine. Um, and you know knowing that at the end of the day, like. What you think is the most important to you is it's important and like you should put you should try and do your best but understand that it's just a game man like it is just a game you're not gonna die if you lose um like you're not gonna no one's gonna take any money away from you if you lose probably um you know it's it's all gonna be fine and like like it's just a game and just enjoy it and um you you should be fine. Before I go into the Heineken Cup stuff, I do want to give a shout out to the Real JP deal for a five star review. If you haven't, if you've made it this far in the podcast and you haven't given us a five star review, just do it whilst you're listening to the end of this podcast. Five stars, type up a few words, I'll give you a shout out, like I'm doing here to the Real JP deal, who says TJ knows his stuff, has great guests, and talks real life applications. Again, that's why we do coaching because it's all about real life applications, not about doing stuff in a fucking lab. Um, I also have another review to read, but I can't seem to pull it up. Where has it gone? Ah, oh, here it is. Nope. Here it is. God damn it, I clicked on too many things and now I've lost it. Where did it go? Here it is. Shout out to Mark, Mike Kura. Kura? C-U-R-R-A-H. Kura? Curry? I don't know. He just says he really enjoys the podcast. Very good information. Understandable and funny. Now, all I really care about is that you think it's funny. You know, you could say I'm the worst person in the world, but if you're telling me I'm funny, you know, because especially here in America where people are more concerned about where I'm from rather than whether I'm funny or not. They don't get my sarcasm a lot of the time and I'm just stood there with that, you know that you know that emoji with the flat mouth? That's my face, man. That's my face a lot of the time when I leave my house in the States because, you know, I make, I make these hilarious quips and nobody gets them. So I'm glad I could use a little bit of humor on this podcast, but potentially it's not even me that's the funny one. Maybe it's like people like Dr. Mike who will be on the podcast 
or whose podcast will be going live very, very soon. But yeah, Mike Gara, thank you very much. Um, always appreciate the help. And if you listen to this, haven't already gone to give me a five-star review already, then what are you doing? Please go ahead and do that. It really does help the show. Like we're not charging for anything. You know, we're trying to give out our best and you know, we're just a small little ruppy pot ruppy fitness podcast that we're trying to do our best and we are growing. And thank you so much to everyone that has given us a review, that has given us five stars. Thank you everyone for spreading the word because we are growing and we're doing we're not doing big things, but we're doing okay things in the in the space of fitness and in the space of rugby. Um quick roundup of the European uh rugby cup, I guess. Um I don't know, I have not watched a single Challenge Cup game because we don't get those here in the States. But I did watch uh, Gloucester go down to Toulouse on Friday night. That was a. I always love watching the French teams play because they play so different. They just attack and they don't have as anywhere near as much structure as what you see with the English teams and the Irish teams. And so it was, it's interesting to watch them. Um, and Toulouse snuck that one out, 25-20. Uh, um and then I watched the Bath game on the Saturday where they went down to Ulster. If you watch that last five minutes, no, not even, like last two minutes of that Bath game where they were down and they had to go the full length of the field when they were only a point down and, and score. They played really, they they almost scored. Um, there was an absolute phenomenal play by Jacob Stockdale to um, intercept or sort of just get that ball and run off or make a tackle whilst he was catching the ball. Whatever he did there, that was phenomenal. But... I don't understand why Bath just didn't play like that the whole game. If they'd have played like that, like they did in the last two minutes for the whole game, they, you know, um, no question they'd have won that game. But well done to the Ulster, well done to the Ulster boys. Um, also well done to uh, the Exeter Chiefs who smashed uh, La Rochelle, which was surprising because La Rochelle last year played some amazing rugby. They do a lot of really, really, really good stuff. Um, if you get a chance, watch some La Rochelle highlights. They play some quality rugby, um, and it's not. And that's not your typical French um, complete disorganization. They play like a lot of really good heads up, but with not just throwing the ball away. They they seem to know what they're doing. They all seem to be on the same page. Um, speaking of French flair, Clermont Auvergne, Jesus Christ, I'm scared of their Fijians as were some of the Harlequins boys, as they clearly didn't want to tackle any of them. But shout out to them to, for a 53-21 win. They just, they, that, I need to go to the Stade Marcel Michelin before I die. Um, what a place. Um, it looks, always looks like it's pumping. Um, it's such a good atmosphere. On the opposite scale, you've got uh, that weird Racing 92 field um, where half the, or where one of the ends is just a giant screen. It's so weird. But the way they played wasn't so weird. They played some really good, like, fast-paced. They turned it on when they turned it on. They they almost suffocated Saracens, who will be interested to see how they get on after they've gone down, after they've, you know, that big salary crap breach thing. Um, funny to see that they don't, like they don't really get punished at all in Europe because there is no salary salary cap for Europe. There's also I don't believe there's a, is there a salary cap for Pro 14? I don't think there is. I think they just own. You know, they think it's just because the, all the big clubs are owned by the unions. They just have a cap on however much money they've got. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Sit, I haven't thought about that. But yeah, Saracens went down. Not a good week for the English teams. A very good week for the Pro 14 guys. Um, and I would just imagine that's because 
Number one, their boys uh, all their boys all came home from the World Cup earlier, but you know, <laughs> just giving shit. It's more because I think they can target these games a lot better, whereas the Premiership have been doing like they've been grinding for a few weeks now already. Um, and then it's also just that um, I think they have a lot more internationals that are really sort of composed when it comes to big matches like this. And so it'll be interesting to see how it goes for this uh, this upcoming week. Um, I'm really looking forward to Clermont-Ulster. Uh, I'm looking, looking forward to seeing what Connacht can do uh, to lose because that'll be a big game. And then if Leon feel like playing then that'll be an interesting game to watch Leinster go to there as well. I think there's some good games this weekend. Pumped to watch them. Um, And again, I do think that watching sport uh, or watching rugby is something that I know a lot of people uh, will benefit as players from doing. Like watching a lot of high-level rugby, trying to analyze it, trying to listen to the commentators that analyze it, not just watching it as like a biased fan and booing everything that goes against you and cheering everything that goes for you, but watching it and appreciating the sport of rugby. And on that note, we'll end the podcast there. One more time, I will say, go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Um, It really does help grow the show. If you are interested in coaching, then head over or head over to Instagram. Just slide into my DMs, TJ underscore rugby, and just shoot me a message and we'll get you set up because you are... you. Before the end of the year, we're going to offer a chance for everyone to get up to $100 off because we think it's so valuable for you guys to do it and to get it done now. We want you to pull the trigger. So TJ underscore rugby, hit me up and we'll get you set up. Um, Or if you're interested in rugby-muscle.com where we have 50 free rugby conditioning sessions, go ahead and go there. Or you can go to team rugby muscle at rugby-muscle.com forward slash team. If you're, you know, you don't want the coaching, but you understand that you want to train properly like a rugby player and you think you've got everything else nailed, you want to just get a training program that has you in the gym three to five days a week, training like a proper rugby athlete, getting world-class strength and condition delivered directly to your phone. Do that by going to rugby-muscle.com forward slash team. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys in the next one.